Hi, this is Nick Forster. Welcome to E-Town. This week, we're going to revisit a show we recorded a while ago. It includes, as ever, some great music, some great conversation, and some dialogue about the natural world. And it all starts right now. Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. It's E-Town with this week's guests from Iowa City, Iowa, Tiata Brown, the Achievement Award winner, Martin Tyner, and from Nashville, Tennessee, Ron Pope. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. So this week we've got a show that is all about family, community, nature, about new beginnings, which sort of makes it exactly like every show we've done. (laughs) And it's like all of our lives. It's total platitude. But it's going to be good, I promise. Um, Pieta Brown is back with us after a long gap during which she's been busy. She's written and recorded a bunch of songs. She had a baby. She's toured and traveled a lot. She's back with a bunch of new songs from her latest record. We're going to welcome this week a, uh, a live golden eagle to the stage, a symbol of the power and beauty of our natural world that's coming up in a little while. But first, our first musical guest grew up in Marietta, Georgia, went to college in New Jersey and in New York City, started a band called The District that made some records and then went out on his own. He's done some acting. He's had a lot of songs on television shows and in soundtracks, and he's still in his mid-30s. His latest project is inspired by the newest addition to his family, his daughter, and uh, he is here with a very talented band to play some songs from that latest project. Please help me welcome to E-Town for his first visit, Ron Pope. so much The ocean doesn't need the sailor The sky was there before the doves I spoke in riddles and in rhymes But my time with you has taught me to simplify 
Welcome to E-Town. Good singing, good sweet songs. Nice change of pace. And I, as I understand, you had a whole nother batch of songs written and were ready to record, and then you had a, had a daughter. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started working on... The, so the new record is called Bone Structure. I, I started working on it before the baby was born. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a topical songwriter. It's very rare that I sit down with an idea like, I'm going to write a song about this particular thing. And, and tell me about the Ron Pope before you had a kid, because the, the songs include some, some uh, carousing and drinking and going out. I mean, there's some wilder subject matter in your pre-daddy phase. When I was young and I, and I started making music, I thought that you had to live in that way in order to... Uh, be a musician. I thought that the, mm-hmm. the partying was a part of it. And then I realized that in actuality, what was happening was it was taking me away from uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the actual work of being a musician. I, you know, I couldn't, you know, silence that part of my life. Um, but obviously, you know, you, uh, it gives you pause and it makes yeah. you really think when you have a little person looking at you and listening to what you're saying. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I think it's a really candid conversion you've gone through. And um, it's cool that one of the things that people don't really recognize about people who are self-employed in the arts 
is that, yes, touring musicians have to go on the road. Touring musicians have to go in the studio. You got to play gigs. You got to do the thing. But when you're home, you're home. And you really get to be with your child. You get to be with your wife. You get to sort of be a, a family person in a way that many people who have nine to five jobs really don't get that level of connection and that opportunity to really hang out. Yeah, I feel like um, my daughter is probably going to think I'm a handyman or something because I'm always, I'm always in the house like moving furniture, hanging things, or I'm generally walking around in an apron also. I'm doing a lot of cooking in the house, and uh, I do all the laundry. That's yeah. like maybe the either the least or the most rock and roll thing about me is that I do all the laundry in my house. <laughs> Well, I don't, I, like if I if I was to go on tour for a very long time, I don't know what would happen to my wife. Like yeah. she would she be she'd be wearing yeah. dirty clothes, I guess. Yeah. I think as a mom of an eighteen month old, she's wearing dirty clothes. <laughs> just, you can just count on that. Oh uh, yeah. Well, meanwhile, we're glad that we got you out of the house and you're here to play some music. Welcome back, if you would, along with this band, Ron Pope. So. When I wrote this song, I was nervous that it would uh, would feel like a political statement. I, I don't think of it as a political statement. It felt like a pretty obvious thing to me that if people are willing to pick up their children and walk a thousand miles through places they don't know uh, with no money and, and, and people who are not sure what's going to happen to them on the other side, those are people probably who don't have a lot of other options. That's something that felt like pretty obvious to me, but watching people uh, get very angry at their televisions and yell about people wanting to walk to America for, I don't know exactly what people believe, but it, it, to me, it, it just seems so obvious, the idea that no one would choose to walk all that way with their children, especially if they had something else that they could do. And so in the spirit of writing songs for my daughter and explaining uh, things I believe. This is uh, something that I believe about humanity. This is a song called San Miguel. No one walks from San Miguel up to Laredo through the gates of hell carrying a crying three-year-old without a good Ideas like a shopping cart with one bad wheel. You don't throw the whole thing away. Some damn fool is facing the wrong way. And no one walks from San Miguel up to Laredo through the gates of hell, carrying a crying three-year-old without a good. Still dry ground 
Maestro, Megan McCormick, and Reese Williams. The record is called Bone Structure. They'll be back to play some more music later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by Silk, the charter sponsor of Change the Course. The program was co-created with National Geographic to restore water in critically water-stressed ecosystems. And you can learn more about Silk's commitment to the environment and to plant-based nutrition at silk.com. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. Hey, if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forcer. You're listening to E-Town. Ron Pope and his band will be back later on in the show. And coming up, singer-songwriter from Iowa, Pieta Brown, is with us. She's back. She's going to sing songs from her latest solo record. But first, every week, we get to share a story of somebody who is doing something special in their hometown. Listeners from around the country tell us about people who have inspired them. And then we, in turn, get to pass those stories on to you. So thanks to all of you out there who keep sending in these great stories. Of course, they're not always. They're usually really good. And, uh, and, and this week is really good also. It's, um, it's the Ichiban Award. And here is Helen to tell you about this week's winner. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> No, thanks, Nick. Listener Will Pratt of Moorhead City, North Carolina. Here's E-Town on Public Radio East 89.3. And he has nominated Martin Tyner of Cedar City, Utah, for his work rescuing sick, 
injured or orphaned wildlife. Now, Martin's love for animals goes way back to his younger years, growing up in a small agricultural town in California where he began caring for injured wildlife as a boy, an interest which led him to a career doing the same. Now, as an adult, he met his wife and moved to Cedar City, Utah, as uh, they thought it was a good place to raise a family, and that's where he continued to volunteer to care for wildlife. Eventually, because of the overwhelming need, he started his own nonprofit to expand that effort, and and more importantly, educate the public about the importance of protecting wildlife and what role they can play in doing so. Now, Martin is here with us, along with his dear friend and companion, Scout, to fill us in about the incredible impact of this project. So please help me welcome from Cedar City, Utah, Martin Tyner. Martin, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for being with us. Wow. Wow. Okay. Here you are with your friend Scout. Uh, why don't you tell our, our listeners about Scout? Uh, Scout is a dear friend. He is 16 years old. He's a full-grown wild golden eagle. And, uh, <laughs> and Scout, Scout is a, a wildlife ambassador for our, our organization and uh, also one of my falconry birds. Yeah. You've been together how long, did you say? We've been together 14 years. 14 years. Yes. So you guys have really bonded. Yeah, he is truly Scout, a dear friend. Scout is right close to your face with a giant beak <laughs> and, um, and some very intense looking eyes. I suspect those eyes can see very well, much better than us. He can spot a jackrabbit five miles away. Wow. And uh, the beak isn't really what we worry about. We it's worry the, about the, the talons. talons. Yeah. And uh, the audience can see these a little bit. Now, if you can imagine... Whoa. Scout is trying to fly, and well, his wingspan looks like it's about six, seven feet. It's, it's a good six feet. Yeah. Um, in those talons right there, 600 pounds per square inch of crushing power. He can drive those talons through my glove and crush the bones in my hand. But he doesn't because you guys are pals. Yeah, he, it's, it's really nice when your eagle likes you. Yeah. That's a good thing. Make sure your eagle likes you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So a little background. Helen said you developed an interest in wildlife and taking care of injured animals when you were a kid. Yeah. Um, ever since I was a very tiny child, actually, I was very terrified of birds. I don't know that I've ever met anyone who's terrified of birds. That seems like an unlikely fear for a young person. And especially ironic, given what you're doing right now, standing, rubbing noses with a full-grown golden eagle. But... Why did birds scare you when you were little? Well, it actually started a very tiny. My grandfather raised parakeets. Okay. Uh, put my hand in the cage to pet a parakeet when I was about one years old. A parakeet bit my finger. I fell off the kitchen table. The cage went crashing on the floor. There you go. Traumatic. <laughs> that, so that was it. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so um, Helen mentioned that you continued voluntarily caring for wounded wildlife once you guys moved to Utah. So were you doing this out of your house or what were you doing? Well, yes. Um, when my sweet wife, Susan, and I moved to Utah, there was a great need for someone to care for sick, injured, and orphaned wildlife. I did that back in California. So I offered my services, and then the animals just started coming and coming and coming. And the burden got so great that in order to be able to do what we do, we had to start a nonprofit organization called the Southwest Wildlife Foundation. Um, and, and what kind of animals are we talking about? Well, the raptors are certainly what I do the most of, but I've done... I know. Come on up. There we go. Woo. I hope he likes me, too. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, 
Th this poor guy has been sitting, uh, traveling for nine hours in his travel box, so he's a little bit wiggly, but that's yeah. okay. He's doing good. But so, so yeah, we, there was a great need. As animals started coming into our rescue center, one of the biggest things that we noticed is that I was averaging about a dozen shot eagles every year. Oh, uh, and it wasn't that the people of Utah hated eagles, they just saw no value in them. And so they drive out through the agricultural communities and say, well, there's a big bird, let's shoot it. Is that illegal? Can you, is it legal it to shoot it? It is very, very much illegal, but that doesn't always make a difference. Wild. Uh, and so, Can I ask a question really quick? When you say, let's shoot it, it was it for fun or game? Yeah, it was just, uh, let's shoot that big animal. It's just a target. Well, I've been rescuing in Utah sick, injured, and orphaned wildlife. Eagles are my specialty for the better part of, in fact, over 40 years now. I've been traveling to the schools and doing school programs and scout programs and community event programs. And because of that, after 40 years of education, I get a shot bird of prey of any kind, less than one every few years. Oh, so it's really changed. It really has changed dramatically in That's Southern great. Utah. So the education is working. Wow. And um, there were other kinds of animals that were coming into your care as well, right? Oh, yeah. We were getting, you know, deer, and we got coyotes and foxes. And to be honest with you, I've wrestled scorpions and tarantulas on up. Wow. So any native wildlife that needs some help, then we're very happy to try to care for them and get them put back in the wild where they belong. And so over almost 40 years, it must be thousands of animals probably. Oh, yeah. Some estimates are 5,000, but I think it's quite a few more than that wild. that we've rescued and returned wild. back to the wild where they belong. Any good stories of, uh, of, of someone whose um, outlook you were able to change from not appreciating or respecting the, the outdoors to sort of changing, bringing them around to your way of looking at things? There was a sheep farmer that um, basically found a den of coyotes near his lambing sheds. Now, anyone that knows livestock knows that if there's a den of coyotes by your lambing sheds, you're going to either have dead lambs or they're going to be dead coyotes. And so the farmer basically drove over the den, crushed it in, and there was one little coyote pup that was out of the den. Little blind, just about two weeks old. The farmer, he gets $25 a head for every coyote that he kills. The Department of Agriculture will pay him. Well, the farmer just couldn't bring himself to kill the coyote pup. And the farmer called me on the phone, and he swore that if I told anybody who he was, he would deny it to his death. <laughs> but he called me up and says, Mr. Tyner, I, I just can't do this. He says, can you help? And so he brought us the coyote, and we got it raised up and got it released to the wild, far, far, far away from any sheep. The whole point is, we don't do politics. We rescue critters. We do educational programs for kids. I didn't move to Utah to tell people how to live. I moved to Utah to provide my skill set, my services. That's amazing, Martin. Um, so I don't know if you keep track of all the events and all the outreach you've done, but I imagine, you know, we talked about, you know, 5,000 animals or critters that you've helped to sort of rescue and, and heal. What about the amount of people you've been in front of? It must also be thousands of people, right? That's certainly in the hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. You know, I, I average between 100 and 200 wildlife shows a year, not just schools and scout groups and that, but I, I actually do programs from Texas to California to the Canadian border, traveling across the country with scout and my other wildlife ambassadors. Mm -hmm. Basically, here's my philosophy, guys. If I can get people a close and personal experience with a wild eagle, when they go out into eagle habitat, they won't hurt them. Yeah. And so that's been my goal. Let me ask you two more questions. One is, does Scout get to fly free? 
Scout does. I, since I'm the first person in North America licensed to trap and fly a wild eagle and falconry, Scout and I, we go out on the desert, all of this comes off, he flies free, he goes thousands of feet in the sky, flies with the wild eagles. And in the process of him flying with the wild eagles, I look up in the sky and I see two or three eagles soaring the ridges together, and I go, well, I think that's my eagle. But it's a little hard to tell because they're so far away. And you always have to wonder what they're talking about. <laughs> to see my eagle cruising with his friends, I can see my eagle looking over his buddies to say, watch this, I have a trained human. <laughs> All I have to do is fly out over that guy's head and he'll run out through the desert with a stick, hitting bushes, flushing out jackrabbits for me to catch, and I will. Wow. So, so yes, he is the hunter and I am his dog. <laughs> And when he hunts, he can, you mentioned that his eyesight is so spectacular, so he could spot a jackrabbit, as you say, five miles away. So when they're flying from a, a altitude to go catch a, a jackrabbit, they're going pretty fast, aren't they? Yeah, he can actually dive at about 145 miles an hour. So that's, that's pretty moving. My falcons can do a little over 200. So the falcons are a little bit faster. Wild. Have they ever tried to land on you at that speed? Well, actually, yes. <laughs> Uh, many, many years ago, my eagle was soaring. No rabbits to be found. It was time to go home. I have a leather bag. It's called a lure. It's his toy. Tie foot on the lure, throw the lure out of the ground. He'll do this wonderful dive, headlong vertical, 145 miles an hour, and he will kill the leather sack. I'll also blow my whistle. He'll fly back, land on my glove for food. One day he got a little confused, thousands of feet in the sky, no rabbits, time to go home. So I blew my whistle, threw his toy out on the ground. My eagle went into this wonderful dive, headlong, vertical, 145 miles an hour. It was impressive, but it became apparent very quickly he wasn't going for his toy. He was coming for my arm. When I woke up... Oh, wow. I was six feet back, laying face down in the dirt, with my eagle standing next to me, looking down at me to say, why are you laying there? <laughs> he dislocated my shoulder and damaged my back and knee. But you see, folks, that experience has given me knowledge. I have a knowledge that none of you have. I have an absolute knowledge of exactly what is going through the mind of a jackrabbit just before an eagle kills him. <laughs> Not recommended, but it's mine. <laughs> That's a great story, Martin. Listen, I, I, know that, um, I know that birds in North America are in trouble and under stress and habitat loss and pesticide use and other things are putting pressure on all kinds of birds. But it's great that you're out there reminding us that we are part of this community that includes creatures and, and magnificent birds like Scout. I want to ask before we go, is there, you, you said you started an organization, is, what's the name of the organization? The name of the organization is the Southwest Wildlife Foundation of Utah. For all of you that have an interest, I do have a book out. The book is called Healer of Angels, and it's 40 years of wildlife rescue stories and the wisdom of grandparents, and the profits from the sale of the book go to our rescue center to help us feed the sick, injured, and orphan animals that we care for. The Southwest Wildlife Foundation of Utah, there's a website where people want to go and see. The website is gowildlife.org. Gowildlife.org. So it's easy to remember. 
and we have a YouTube channel with lots of wildlife rescue videos. So come to our website, watch our videos, and help support the Wildlife Foundation. It's a powerful message, Martin. I really appreciate the work you do, the outreach. Thanks so much for bringing Scout along for, for us to check out. And congratulations. Thank you. This week's winner of the Achievement Award, Mr. Martin Tyner, Southwest Wildlife Foundation, and his friend and remarkable bird, the Golden Eagle Scout. Thank you, Martin. Congratulations. Many thanks to listener Will Pratt for this story. And if you just tuned in and you missed part of this interview, you can find it on our website, etown.org. Or if you want to nominate someone doing great work to better the lives of others in some way or the planet, you can do that on our website as well. And as you know, you can always contact us the old-fashioned way at Fox 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Ellen. That was such a cool thing. We've got more music coming up from Ron Pope and his band in a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you what's next. Pieta Brown was born in Iowa City. Uh, she's lived in lots of places. Uh, growing up, actually going between her mother in Alabama and her dad's world in Iowa. She grew up in a musical world. Most of you know that her dad is Greg Brown, but um, she's been making her own art and her own music and her own poetry for a long time. She's just released her maybe eighth solo record, and that's now counting singles and EPs and other things. She's toured a lot. She's opened for people like John Prine and Mark Knopfler and Brandy Carlisle and J.J. Kale and Ani DeFranco. She has been an actor. She's um, just had a lead role in a French film, living in Europe for a while. Um, anyway, she's worldly and talented. I think Don Waz wrote the liner notes to her new record. I mean, this is, this is a serious artist here. She made her new record up in Wisconsin in uh, Justin Vernon's studio. It's been a while since she's been here. We're really happy she's back. Please welcome back to E-Town, Pieta Brown.
a Colorado song so I thought I better sing it. I get to play it with just Nick.
Brown, welcome back to E-Town. It's been a long time. Thanks for, thanks for coming back. And I don't know if you remember, I think the first time I saw you was when you were part of a backup singer-slash-dancer group for Bob Dylan at the Grammys in 1991 when it was Soy Bomb. You was telling there? my secrets? Oh, man, I, I don't know. That was, it, it was you, wasn't it? It was me. Yeah, it wasn't a real secret. It was national television. <laughs> I never watched TV. No. But there you were, you and Bob Dylan and Soy Bomb. But so much has happened since then, of course. So many songs, so many uh, recordings. You have a kid now. Soon I do to, indeed. Soon going to be a teenager. That's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> that must change how you see the world. I was talking with Ron about how his sort of world has changed, his worldview has changed since he had a kid. But, but I think having a... Having a young, uh, soon-to-be young adult child also must really change how you see the way the world has changed and what's going on in current events and things like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he gives me hope. Oh, that's great. Because obviously, whatever we do, whatever we talk about, whatever we're sort of working towards, it's on behalf of the next generation or two. Cool. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this new record of yours. You... It's kind of a departure, some new players, new characters. Brand new. And you did it up in Wisconsin at Justin Vernon's studio. 
And as I understand it, you just sort of presented all the songs to this group of players and they got to react to them in real time. Yeah, we recorded it live, that's for sure. And uh, the session came together really fast, so that's sort of how that happened. Yeah. But yeah, I just showed up with a pile of songs and away we went with away a big record button on. And uh, as I understand it, we, you know, since we're talking about the natural world and, and raptors and such, you had a microphone outside in, in nature so you could actually sort of incorporate some of those sounds into the record. Yeah, we did. It was uh, shaped like a human head and he was wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody would be suspicious. I call me he. It could be they or, or she. But, um, but yeah, it was great because that, that studio is out in the country. Um, there's lots of trees and um, there's a pond and there's just it's super connected to nature feeling. So mm -hmm. it seemed right to have that be part of the part of the record. And you have a couple of old friends sort of helping you out on this project, too. I know uh, Ani Franco is putting it out on her label on Righteous Babe Records. Yeah. Which is great. Nice connection. Yeah, I'm very proud of yeah. that. Yeah. And then uh, your old friend Mark Knopfler plays some guitar on one of the tracks. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great, by the way. I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> I should let our listeners know that much as we would all like to have Mark Knopfler play on our records... <laughs> We all can't just call him up and say, hey, Mark, why don't you do this? But you had an advantage because... And you, I didn't get to call him. I, I emailed him. You sent him an email, yeah. But you, you toured with him. You'd done a North American tour yeah. uh, opening up for his whole run of dates and gotten to know those guys. Um, well, this is a transformation in a way, and um, this record feels like, like a, different, a different phase a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, hopefully that's what we're all doing most of the time, right? But um, definitely an opening for sure for me. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> meanwhile, I think the, the, the creative um, journey continues. I, I should mention just briefly that you, um, you had the lead in a foreign film in which you're a singer and it was all in French, right? Yeah, actually the, the songs were not in French. Oh. And it was, I co-wrote the songs with... Um, the lead male role who plays, you know, kind of an important character in the movie. He's French, and but the songs were in English, so I wrote the lyrics and we collaborated on the music. Uh, it was wild. Yeah, I bet it was. And you're living in Paris most of the time when you're shooting? or It was shot in France and Switzerland and Belgium, yeah. but a lot of the rehearsals and a lot of the stuff was kind of done in Paris. Yeah. Did they have an eagle? <laughs> no eagles. No eagles. Okay, well, no I'm eagles. sorry. Yeah. You know, you can now. You've now the bar's raised a little bit. Definitely. Put it in your rider. Yeah. yeah, I'll do your movie. Yeah. Got to get me. An I need eagle. an eagle. Yeah. <laughs> With a trainer. <laughs> At least one. Yeah. Well, listen. Congratulations on this journey. We got lots more music to get to. Welcome back, Pieta Brown. Thank you. I'm so proud to have uh, Nick and Helen and this amazing E-Town band. The E-Towns, thank you so much, you guys, for playing with me. This is a song uh, off the Freeway album. It's about coming down. Everywhere, everywhere now, coming down again. 
Records, along with the E-Tones, Chris Engelman, Christian Teal, Ron Jolly, and Helen Forster, Pieta Brown. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. By the way, if you tuned in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town podcast will have this episode and others along with content from past shows as well. It's available for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E-Town. Nick Forrester, you are listening to E-Town. I want to say hello to uh, our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KGNU right here in Boulder, Colorado, on WNCS, The Point in Burlington and Montpelier, Vermont, and on KSMF, Jefferson Public Radio up in Ashland, Oregon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As always, if you want more information about any of our guests, and I know, I know what you're saying, you want to see the eagle. Okay, it's fine. All that stuff is available online at etown.org. You can also find out about how to get tickets to shows and much, much more. That eagle was kind of profound in its own way, and uh, I'm really glad that we were able to actually have that be a part of our radio show. So 
There actually is. I mean, I, I will sit not to bum everybody out, but there was this recent study in the journal Science that said that since 1970, North America has lost nearly 3 billion birds. That is, we now have roughly 3 billion fewer birds than we did 50 years ago, mostly because of pesticides, especially neonicotinoids, and uh, habitat loss. So that means it's harder in some places for pollination and reforestation and spreading seeds and all that stuff. So I know we've done this before. We, we did it with uh, DDT. We can actually create some rules. I know seatbelts are good, right? Stoplights are good. Some rules are good. So we have done it before. It's time to uh, embrace protecting some things like birds. Right now, please help me welcome back to E-Town, along with his fine band, Ron Pope. White River Junction, way up north, there's some place cold. Well, I can feel your heartbeat, and your dress that pull you close. Sun's coming up real soon, I don't know where we should River Junction Way up north Somewhere far away from home Last I recall Chateau Marmont It was five in the morning You were calling the cops And I'd been awake For a couple of days Cocaine, cocaine, cocaine White River Junction Way up north there's someplace cold Well I can feel your heartbeat Through your dress I pull you close The sun's coming up real soon I don't know where we should go White River Junction Way up north somewhere far away Till I passed away Cocaine, cocaine, cocaine White River Junction Way up north there's a place cold Well I can feel your heartbeat Through your dress I pull you close The sun's coming up real soon And I don't know where we should go White River Junction Junction, way up north. 
That's Ron Pope, along with his band, Paul Hammer, Christian Weber, Larissa Maestro, Megan McCormick, and Reese Williams. The record called Bone Structure coming out this spring. We've got time for one more song. I want to thank everybody for being on the show this week. I want to thank, of course, uh, Martin Tyner, Southwest Wildlife Foundation, and bringing his amazing, full-grown Golden Eagle Scout to the stage here at E-Town Hall. Thanks and congratulations to Martin. Thanks to Pieta Brown for coming from Iowa to share her new music, new songs. Thanks to the E-Tones, Helen Forster. Thanks to Ron Pope. We, uh, we picked out a good song for you. We avoided Fly Like an Eagle. We avoided Hotel California by the Eagles. We just found a good song that I'm sure you'll like. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you could be with us next week right here in E-Town. Produced by a donor-supported nonprofit organization with help from all of our fine staff. The show was recorded live this week at E-Town Hall. To comment about the program, make an Achievement Award nomination, or get tickets to a live taping, send an email to info at etown.org, visit our website, etown.org, or connect with us on Twitter or Facebook. Distribution is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. When you want her lips, you get her 
cheek makes you wonder where you are And where you want some more When she's fast asleep leaves you twinkling like a star hunting dog, Helen Forster and the E-Tones. Thank you, everybody. Thanks to our engineers and volunteers. We'll see you next time. Thank you. This is a production of E-Town. That's Ron Pope and Pieta Brown. Thanks to Martin Tyner and Scout, his eagle, from the Southwest Wildlife Foundation. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.